You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. In our current Created for Connection series, we're uh, looking at this symbiotic relationship between our connections with one another and how our, our faith in Jesus kind of intersect and how they shape and impact one another. Uh, Christianity has always been a communal faith that is expressed in relationship with other people. This is how we've kind of built the series is on that thought with the conviction of this, that whenever we begin to identify our Christian faith outside of connection with others, we will reduce it to something lower or, or below what it is actually designed and intended to be that we do benefit, it's part of our creation, it's part of how we are, it's part of the, the narrative in scripture is to be in community with other people as we experience uh, faith in Jesus and what that looks like. And so this is part of why we're in the series, this is part of why one of our community taglines is better together, is this belief that uh, our lives, the, the, our church, our community, um, it, it, we are better, we're strengthened, we're better off, we're richer for our life experiences when we're in connection and relationship with one another. Now, I know somebody who has a genuine gift of faith. Maybe, maybe you've encountered someone like this. Maybe you feel you have the gift of faith. And um, I'm a better person for having this person in my life. I'm a better pastor for having this person in my life. My family's better. Our church is better because I have this relationship with this person. I, I recently shared with him two specific times that his faith impacted my life. I had the opportunity to, uh, just over coffee, share with him. And uh, one was about six years ago, I shared the vision of him, uh, with him, about uh, starting Sunday morning service. We had uh, been running with our, you know, started as our, our campus ministry and all kinds of things, and we are doing our Sunday night service, and that was growing and was full of uh, lots of college students and really feeling like we needed a next-level community for people who were not necessarily university students, but we could reach like a broader mix of people and some of the young couples that were needing a community and some of the empty nesters and all everybody kind of in between. And so it uh, felt like maybe this is kind of uh, being stirred that we should, we should do this. We should start a, this uh, gathering on Sunday mornings. And um, to, be, to be honest with you, it, I, I really, I, to, be, to be a pastor is no different than you would be in many of your careers and your life. Things uh, I have insecurities. I have doubts. I have, I have worries about things. And, and you take a risk just like in anything in life and you wonder, like, am I, am I projecting my own thing on this? Am I hearing from God? Is this the right thing? Is this... And you know what's interesting is I, um, at, when, when you're kind of formulating something and beginning to share it and beginning to ha- kind of have it take shape in your life and in your heart, there's a certain point where you haven't really begun to kind of let that out to other people. And you're kind of holding it in. And you know what I've, I've noticed this is that when you keep something like that in and you're separated, you're feeling a little isolated, if you feel alone in it, how much easier it is to have thoughts of, you're missing it, this isn't gonna work, uh, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not right. And it's like the more isolated, the more separate, the more alone we are, the more open we are to the lying voices, the negative voices of the enemy. And when we feel alone, it's so much easier to feel afraid. 
It's so much easier to feel lost. It's so much easier to feel like you're second-guessing yourself and all these things. And I remember feeling kind of alone. And, I, and as I began to share some of the things that were stirring in my heart for the vision and the future, it was so life-giving to include someone into that. And what happened is I, I said, you know what, I think even one day maybe it could, like this could work and this, this could happen and, and maybe we could even be like what we are on Sunday night, on Sunday morning, wouldn't that be amazing? And he, and he looked at me and, and with all confidence he says, oh, we're, you're, you're, it's gonna happen. You're, we're gonna surpass even what Sunday night is and in fact we're gonna, we're gonna move forward and we're gonna sustain uh, the mission and the vision of the church so that we can continue to reach students throughout the week and continue to do Sunday nights and and." and I tell you what, it was so life-giving for me to have this seed of faith and this seed of hope deposited into my heart and to know that I wasn't the only one and I wasn't alone and I wasn't off my rocker and that, and that God was in this. And, and I left that conversation feeling so much life and so much hope for our future. And we started Sunday morning six years ago with like 25 people. And a, uh, a year and a half ago, we went to our second Sunday morning service. And there, just this past week, there was even more people in the first service than we have in the second service today. And a year and a half ago, that, that second service didn't exist. And six years ago, none, it, there was nobody here. And we took some steps of faith and took some hope and we move forward. And I'm so thankful that along the way, God has given us people in our community to walk with us, to believe, to have faith, to move forward, to keep going. And every time we, we take a step forward, God is faithful to help us. Uh, about three years ago, I began to share with this same person the vision that one day we might step out from under evangel's covering and become our own church community. I remember one of our, our prayer meetings, I was feeling a little discouraged, very similar, <clears throat> very similar kind of feeling where you're feeling you know, kind of alone and is this gonna work, is this gonna happen? And, and it's like I knew in my heart, I was so convinced on the direction and what was right for us to move forward, but you start doing the math and looking at it through our own eyes and you're thinking, how is this gonna happen? It's, it's, it's never gonna happen. And I remember at one of the prayer meetings, I was feeling discouraged and beginning to share with him. And, and I said, and I've, I've used this example before, this, that I felt like I was at the bottom of this mountain uh, and to, to this, that mandate that we had to kind of get up there, we had to climb to the top. And I thought, how am I ever gonna get up? We're never gonna be able to do this. And part of it is because at that time, our annual giving and our annual budget was $230,000 and it was not enough for us to cover our expenses. And this is part of our journey and part of how God has shown up in our community. And I remember sharing, and I, I, he said, well, what do, you, what do we need? What, what, what's the number? What, what is it gonna take? And I said, well, we're actually, I think we're gonna need about $400,000 to $450,000 a year to be able to cover our budget, to be able to have some, some help and some staff and to be able to you know, have a shuttle and all these things and to be able to do all this stuff. And, um, and that, I think that's what it's gonna take for us to be here as a church. And he said, well, then that's the number. That's what we pray for. That's what, that's what we hope for. And for him, it was so matter of fact, but for me, I was feeling like, oh, how are we ever gonna do this? And you know, not even three years later, in, at the end of our fiscal year, this past year, we had set last year's budget for the first time at $453,000. And not only did we meet that budget, but we surpassed it, and, and our church brought in uh, just over $500,000 last year. 
So not only did we, did we hit it, but we totally surpassed it. And you know, the amazing thing is like two or three years ago, I was looking at thinking, how are we ever gonna step out in faith and make this happen and how is it gonna? And when you have somebody who believes in you, somebody with faith, somebody who stands with you, somebody who sows seeds of the kingdom and encouragement to keep going, to not give up, that you're not crazy, that you can do this, you, that we're in this together. That, and, and we look back and you know, now I think, how are we going to, uh, as a church community, how are we ever gonna move forward? We're, we're full, how are we gonna get a new building and keep growing and how are we gonna have kids' rooms and all these things that we talk about and this, this point of pressure and things for our community. And I think, man, we're gonna, how, I look at our giving now and as generous and as faithful as the church is, is so amazing. And I think of what it's gonna cost for a new building. We're a generous community. We're able to be here, but a new venue and moving forward is gonna get it up a whole nother level. And you know, you can look back and you can say, but Jesus was faithful. This, I was at the bottom of this mountain. We were at the bottom of this mountain before and Jesus was so faithful and within a year or two years, we had not only hit it, but we had surpassed it and you realize that God is with you and God is around you. And sometimes just having people share their gifts, their faith, their words from God, their presence, their encouragement, it's like they bring the kingdom of God like a seed and they, they put it in your life. They put it in your heart. And my point is this, is that I recently had coffee with him and I thanked him for those two impacting moments in my life. And guess what? He didn't even remember them. <laughs> because to him, that's what he does every day, all day, with everybody he meets. Today, tomorrow, the next day, next week, everybody he meets, he just, he just shares and sows the kingdom of God into people's lives and into people's hearts. And he shares seeds of faith and seeds of hope. And it's just what he does. It's who he is. It's who God created him to be. And his, it's his gift. And I had the seed of faith deposited into my heart because I had the opportunity to have a coffee with him. And what happens is when we are connected with one another, when we can connect with one another in the kingdom of God, it gives us the platform and the opportunity to share our gifts and the seeds of the kingdom of God in one another's lives. And I am so thankful that I had a coffee with him years ago at a crucial time where he was able to speak into my life. And that's what we do as God's people. When we are connected with one another, every time, every person in your home and your relationship circle, your spouse, your kids, your family, your friends, your coworkers, the people in your life, you are there and you bring the kingdom of God to them. You bring hope and faith and the peace of Jesus with you. And in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul reminds us of the importance of connection in his use of the metaphor of the body of Christ. And what do we learn from the body metaphor? Well, one is that there is this call for equality when we look at what the body of Christ is and what it represents, this metaphor. The church is described as an interdependent body made up of very diverse but equally important parts. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 13 says this, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, 
Some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. You see, the early church was full of lots of problems. They, they, just like any organization made with, with uh, of, of humans, just like our church today, just like the church today, we're organized, we do our best, but we're, we're made up of, of, of humans. We're imperfect. And sometimes our, our egos and our, our desires and our motivations and all these things can get in the way and it can get messy at times and we do our best. We try to figure it out and the early church was certainly no exception. They were trying to figure out how to, how to be who they were. But there are some areas that the early church excelled and far surpassed the culture of the day. And they did very well. They were very transformational in how they set the bar in defining inclusive community. The early church outpaced culture of the day in, in that area, in, actually in three areas when it comes to that topic. One is the equality of cultural and ethnic backgrounds. Now, the Roman Empire was particularly, uh, in particular around the area of Corinth. So the Roman Empire was made up of, uh, they would actually go out and conquer multiple areas, regions, countries, lands, peoples, cultures, and kind of roll them into the kingdom and expand their borders. And so they were made up of a very diverse backgrounds and, and lots of different people. And particularly in the city of Corinth, which this is not a talk on Corinthians, but in the city of Corinth, it was uh, at a shipping route, which was very perilous, very treacherous. And they would uh, bring ships over land in the narrow stretch of land, which we would see is in, the, in like Italy and Greece and in there. And they would bring right over the land uh, on logs in order to avoid sailing all around the outside and all the rocks and all the treacherous area. And so Corinth was this hub of all kinds of people from trade for all over whatever, wherever people in the world would have gone in those days by sea, they were all in Corinth. And in this day and in this culture, people were very segregated and they did not mix back and forth. And uh, there was a lot of animosity there was a lot of uh, problems, even in Corinth, there was lots of, lots of uh, problems between Greeks and others. And, um, and Paul's call to the church in Corinth is regardless of where someone is from, they're an equal part of the body. Uh, another area that the church practiced equality, and there was a strong call for equality, is the equality of women. The early church was far ahead in the equality of women than the culture of its day. In fact, um, when we read scripture flatly, and sometimes people like to pick out a few isolated verses from the New Testament and use that to say how the church really holds back women, holds back the role of women and the, and the place of women in, in the church. Um, but when we practice proper hermeneutic and we look at the whole of scripture and how everything was lived out, we actually see that many of these scriptures are given to help the organized church of the day raise the level of women in their mix and at the same time live that out in a culture that was pushing women down and was oppressing women. And so how do they keep political balances and peace and all these kinds of things with the cultures and the communities that they were in and at the same time give a testimony to the life and the grace of Jesus and what it meant in their communities? 
And so they would raise the level of women. In fact, Galatians 3.28 says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And we see this in the, the prophetic words that announce Jesus. We see this in the New Testament church, that women are raised to be apostolic leaders and, uh, and they, they are equal participants in the body of Christ. And as a church community, we are egalitarian in our theology. And I like to say this, I'm proud of that. Um, you know, being a part of a fellowship or a denomination of churches is always a mixed bag. You, you know, there's always some things you wish they would change and, and you don't maybe always absorb and take in. But I am proud that as a part of the PAOC, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, as an organization and a movement, we ordain women to the highest level of leadership uh, women can be executive directors in district offices. They can be lead pastors in churches. They hold ministerial credentials uh, to teach in churches, to perform all the ministerial duties in church leadership that any man can. And I think that's a great thing, and I'm proud to be a part of a church like that. And so um, we are not at a place as an organization or as a fellowship that we see an equal level of like 50% male and 50% female graduates from Bible college. We still see the scales are tipped towards more men going through, uh, feeling called to ministry and pursuing that. But there are many women who go through and step into active ministry and are recognized as leaders in the church. And that's, the, that's part of our theology, it's part of who we are. And so that's something that the, that the body of Christ metaphor shows us, is that there's an equality between male and female. Another is this idea of slave or free. There is Jew and Gentile. There is male and female, and there is slave or free, rich or poor, the influential, the marginalized, the trendy, the uncool, those in recovery and with a broken past. All are welcome in the body of Christ. There is a call for equality of social and economic classes. Nowhere else could you go in culture of the day and find a multitude of people from all different socioeconomic backgrounds coming together and being included and being cared for as you could the church in this day. 1 Corinthians 12, 22, 26 is four, these four verses that talk about the idea that those who appear on the outside to be the weakest, those who require special care, are in fact the most important members of the body of Christ. And the church, as the body of Christ, the church is not to treat someone differently based on their race, their wealth, or their perceived importance, or their perceived value. And so God blessed Metro, and Bethesda, and Valiant, and Freedom's Door, and the Gospel Mission, and Teen Challenge, and the Salvation Army, and all of those in the kingdom of God as an extension of the church that do so well to take care for some people that need some extra love and some extra care in our communities. And many of those people, they, that's who we are. We are those people. We are all made up of diverse and eclectic backgrounds. And there is no us and them. There is only us. And we have many people who have come from diverse backgrounds. And you know what? You are an equal part of our community. And it doesn't matter if you came from a background of addiction and brokenness or whatever it is. The metaphor of the body of Christ is a call for equality. 
And it is a call to look out for those who need special care and need special love. And it is to elevate the lowest. And if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the lowest. It is a reverse upside down kingdom. And we are to be reminded of this, that this is part of what it means to be the body of Christ. Another part of being in the body of Christ and what this metaphor teaches us is the call for uniqueness. The call for equality is not a call for sameness. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11, this is, this is really great stuff. It says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else from the, same, from the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts and he alone decides which gift each person should have. This is how the Holy Spirit works in the church. There is a call for us to be equal, interdependent parts of the body, but we are all unique in our call and our purpose and in who we are made up to be. Another is that there is a call for ministry. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, spiritual gifts are given to help each other. The NIV says that spiritual gifts are given for the common good of the body. The Holy Spirit gives us the gifts. The Holy Spirit arranges us the way he sees fit for his purposes. If there's someone in the church that you wish was not in our church, take it up with the Holy Spirit, okay? It's his agenda. And so the church is built and organized, the body of Christ is organized and built according to how the Holy Spirit wants to work. Each of you have gifts to share with others. You're created unique, you're gifted, you have purpose, and we need you. The church needs you. The gifts are to be shared with those we're in community with. You are amazing. The way you are made is with purpose and with intention and with design. Jesus made you the way you are. And the goal for us is to find connection with others so we can be who we are, so we can speak Jesus and speak the kingdom into one another's lives. Now, as mysterious as it is, as I was thinking about this, this talk and putting together the pieces and studying for this, I realized something that I haven't really focused on before, and it's this, that the, the, uh, uh, the primary way we have spiritual encounters and the Holy Spirit ministers to us is through other people. Just think about that. That the gifts of the Spirit are given to one another to share into others' lives. The way the Holy Spirit shows up in your life, the way he ministers to you, the way he is present in your life and showing up sometimes in miracles and breakthroughs and in different things, is through the life of one another, of other believers. Just as my friend deposited a seed of faith in my heart during a coffee, 
so do all of us strengthen one another when we're in relationship. And so I would say that could it be the seedbed for experiencing more gifts and freedom of the Holy Spirit is our level of community and connection with one another. Let's think about that question. Could it be the seedbed for a church community to begin to experience more freedom and more presence and more of the gifts of the Spirit? Could it be that that comes out of connection and relationship with one another as the body of Christ? This is how the gifts of the Spirit are designed. The gifts of the Spirit come out of a unified, diverse, equal body where all parts are important, where all parts are celebrated. And when that happens at the, at the grassroots level, there is an openness for us to be amazing and to share the things that Jesus has done in our lives. I'm gonna get the band to come and we're gonna get ready to start to kind of close things down. Um, the gifts of the Spirit were very matter-of-fact for the Corinthian church. And um, they're very much just a part of how the church experienced God and, and gathered together, and it was, it was a regular part of who they were. And I wonder if we've made spiritual gifts something maybe more or different or beyond uh, what they were intended to be. It seems that we've made the gifts more about position and authority and the special anointing of certain people instead of something that we all experience as members of the body of Christ. And instead of walking in the gifts, I think so many of us think I'm not good enough, I don't know enough, I'm not important enough, I'm not holy enough, I'm not the leader. And we have a long list of reasons why we don't. And you know what, what? Don't, don't wait. Church, don't wait for the leader. Don't wait for the pastor. Don't wait for me to give you your, your deputy star and badge you and, and okay, you can all be nice to one another. Go ahead. You don't, you don't have to have an official role or an official title to speak encouragement and life into one another. You don't have to have the ministry and the official office of inviting someone over to your house for coffee or for lunch or to meet them for lunch or to invite them out for lunch after church. We are the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit does not minister to the body from the top down, from the pastor down, from, the, from meetings and from organization. He ministers to you and he ministers to the body through your connection and your relationships to one another. It's when you are amazing. It's when you're connected to somebody else. It's when you have a relationship with them. You know them. You care for them. You're connected with them. That it opens the door and opens the platform for you to walk out the gifts, to walk out encouragement and all the things that the body of Christ is designed to be. And sometimes we sit back and we think that it's somebody else's job or it's about somebody else or look at that leader and how he does it or how she does it. And, but you do it. You are an extension. You are a part of God's kingdom. You are created with a purpose. Scripture would tell us that you have gifts. 
and the gifts are expressed and lived out in the people you have connection with because that's the way we're designed to do it. What if, now work with me, and maybe this is, I'm just gonna get on my hobby horse for a minute, okay? Just let me get on my hobby horse and ride this just for a second, okay? What if spiritual gifts are not the primary domain of self-appointed apostles who claim to walk with special impartations of the Spirit? What if spiritual gifts are not the primary domain of celebrity leaders we follow on Instagram and claim to know the secret hidden teachings of the heavens? What if the key, hear this, what if the key to being used more by God is not buying some apostle's next book or registering for the next conference, but instead is inviting someone out for lunch and getting to know them? What if that opens the door for the kingdom of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to flow through you? You know how ironic it is that in the kingdom of God, we are so enamored and we, we chase so after these traveling people and give them our money and, one, and we will actually race and push people out of the way to get there, to be like that, to get that gift, to get that thing, to get... And the whole time, the power of the Holy Spirit is to be lived out and expressed in the kingdom of God through the body of Christ in relationship with one another. We have to be reminded of the importance of the body of Christ when it comes to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we cannot interpret that through official roles in the church and leaders who have a certain gift and a strength. And a, it is about you being the kingdom. It's not about how we're organized and how we do and what your official title is. You are the body of Christ. And you are gifted. And you are needed. And the Holy Spirit put you where you are, made you who you are, and you are in a circle of people, in a circle of influence, and if you need more and you're disconnected, you've got to find the connection because that's how the Spirit of God is going to work through you. What if spiritual gifts are the natural outflow of being connected to one another as members of the body of Christ. And so I would say don't ever forget that the Holy Spirit is just as alive when you are, he's just as present, he's just as active when you are with a friend in Starbucks. You ever like eavesdropped on people in Starbucks? I do it all the time. I, it's amazing how active the Spirit of God is in Starbucks. It has nothing to do with Starbucks. It's just because they're the ones that own the coffee business. The church is alive, active all the time. And he's with you in your conversation. He's with you in your truck. Chevy, Dodge, Ford, Honda, Toyota. I have a Honda Ridgeline. It's like half a truck. But... Um, the Holy Spirit is with me when I go, when I'm out, when I'm around. When I, he's with you. 
He's whispering to you. In every relationship circle, every capacity you have to touch someone's life, the Holy Spirit is right there. Have you ever asked him? Holy Spirit, what do you want to say through me today? What do you want to do through me? How can you use me? Is there something I can share with this person? One of the things I appreciate so much about Ed, who's a part of our ministry team here, is he asked Jesus every time he has a, has a session with somebody or a meeting with somebody or a coffee, what's the nugget, what's the encouragement that he can give? The guy has never talked to anybody without offering something encouraging into their life. How amazing and how genius is it for us to be holders of the gifts of the Spirit and the presence of the Spirit and carry that with us, not just in church, not just in our gatherings, not just in the official, thus saith the Lord moments, but every day where you are. I told you I was gonna ride my hobby horse for a little while and I'm, I'm, I'm getting off it. But that's, I, we can't separate. We cannot separate the working and the move of the Holy Spirit from connection and relationship as the body of Christ. And when we do, we end up just marketing it and making it something that it's not. You're genius. You're amazing in the kingdom of God and the way God has made you to be. Not the pastors of the church and the roles that you have. And I wonder if we could do something as a community. If we could just take a moment, I want to just have us invite and welcome the Holy Spirit with intention together, collaborate together to say you're welcome, you're, be present in my life, in our church. And so I have this, this picture that what we can do is we can just, like we just sit under this singing, this worship. Can we join in and worship and sing along? Can we participate with it? But can we right where we are, right where we're seated, as a part of the body of Christ, just say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, your presence, you're welcome, you're invited, there's room for you. There's room for you in my life. Let's take some space, some intentional space, and open that up to invite the Holy Spirit in this moment.
just worship along, sing. Bring your heart before Jesus. Bring your life before Jesus. Maybe you need forgiveness in this moment. Maybe you need to confess some distance between you and God in this moment. Maybe you need to just open your heart up to him because it's been closed off for a while. But as a community, let's just sit in this moment and welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's just sit in this moment. Let's worship and open our hearts in this moment. As uh, we were worshiping earlier, I normally kind of stand over by the stairs over here as we're worshiping and just thinking about opening my heart up to the Lord and the Holy Spirit and just trying to listen to Him. And this morning, I, I felt like uh, someone is fearful about their business. You're carrying some significant fear and uncertainty and doubt about a business endeavor or your work or something. And um, I just want to pray for that. Jesus, that uh, we want to lift up those in our community that are taking steps of faith in their finances and their businesses and carrying some significant stress. And whether that's bridging from one thing to another or the responsibility of work coming in and paying for others or the investment. Lord, wherever that fear and that doubt and that uncertainty is creeping in, I pray, Jesus, that you would bring strength and hope and that, Lord, there would be faith. We pray for prosperity. We ask, Jesus, for those that are leveraged and taken steps of faith that you would be so present with him and that there would be a breakthrough for finances to be covered, for contracts to come in, and that, Jesus, you would make a way. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 25, 26, just at the end of this chapter, it says, all the members care for each other. And if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. 
And um, one of the things about trying to make some room and create some opportunity for us to connect and for the Holy Spirit to work is we've taken a little bit of extra time over some of our services in this series for people to share some of their testimonies and things. And we're going to, I, I think we're gonna just do that in this moment. So we're gonna just be together and we're gonna give some opportunity. And if you have a testimony, says, you know what, if, 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 um, if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. We celebrate together. We give honor to Jesus together. We're encouraged in our faith when we hear about others who are experiencing breakthrough and God showing up. And so we take opportunity and we take some time together to say, what are some things that God is doing? And maybe there's uh, something you can share about a breakthrough or something that's happened. We're gonna do this brief. We're not looking for many sermons, okay? But something that you can say, this is an area that Jesus has shown up. And I wanna give testimony. I wanna give glory to God in that. We're gonna share that. Oliver has got the mic. He's gonna have the mic. He's gonna be right here. And um, I just need like a, a wave or something. And um, he'll, he'll come and, uh, and let you share something with us this morning. Maybe just give us an introduction for Bailey. Hi, my name's Bailey, and I've been coming to the house since last year in April. Uh, I didn't put up my hand last service in the morning because I felt a little insecure and didn't want to tell it, but I wrote it down real quick. Uh, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. We didn't talk about God or believe in God. In the dysfunction, I felt neglected, abandoned, unloved. By the time I was 13, I was abusing alcohol and drugs of many kind because I hated myself. I had severe depression and anxiety by the time I was 15 and it only got worse. I suffered a few overdoses and being in drunken car wrecks, but just because I didn't believe in God, that doesn't mean he wasn't there. <clears throat> Last year in mid-April, I was going to take my life over my addictions and mental disorders, uh, but God intervened and instead of taking my life, I confessed to my family and they got me into a rehab center, Valiant Recovery. Uh, there I found God and met Jesus. He has restored my relationships with my family, my mother and father, and especially with myself. I feel loved everywhere I go now, and I want to share the love that God has showed me with everyone else, with all of you. So we are loved by the Father. All parts are equal, and all parts are important. Uh, uh, my name's Innie, and I've been coming to the house since uh, 2014, and like late 2014 in my first year, and um, that was a, a big year, scary year, because uh, earlier, um, like if you know me, you know my mom's a big part of my life. Uh, I used to do a lot of stupid things growing up, and and I feel like a lot of like parents would have like formed resentment or like just like you know like oh like what's this kid doing and like this and that but like she she not only like loved me through all of it but like she she would make a lot of effort to be close with me and um I love her for that and um that year she she got word that um she had breast cancer and it was real scary um I didn't know what to do I'd never like really gone through anything like that before and um, 
it wasn't a while, but uh, she beat it. We thank God. And I was just talking to her last night, and um, she was just um, saying that she went in for another medical and five years cancer-free. So I just wanted to say thank God for that. At the back there, Oliver. Hello everyone, good morning. Um, my name is Tunde. I've been coming to the house since 2014. Um, I graduated last year. I'm actually just here for vacation. Um, my testimony is, uh, it was, it was like a blind leap of faith. I wasn't supposed to graduate last year out of a personal choice because I was kind of scared of, I didn't know what I was gonna do with my life after. I guess I was so used to being told what to do and like, I was just like, I'm not ready to graduate. So I did not apply to graduate. And literally like two months before the semester was over, a friend was like, just apply. I was like, I already missed the date, but like a couple months. And it was like, it doesn't hurt. I was like, okay, I was like, okay. Um, I prayed, I was like, God, if you want me to graduate, let me get this, just let me graduate. If if I don't get it, then I know I'm not ready. So I applied, and two days later, I was studying in the library. I got an email confirmation that I could graduate. Uh, I just needed to fill out a form. I was like, okay, wow, this is happening. Uh, graduated, went back to Calgary, applied for jobs. Couldn't get anything. Uh, came back to Kelowna, did the graduation ceremony, and for a job I really did not apply to, I got an internship. Thank God that he showed me and like I just took a blind leap of faith and I'm here now. Thank you. Okay, one more. Hi, I'm Kate. Um, earlier this year I had a really stressful job and it was starting to impact me um, physically and emotionally and I, I felt like I needed to resign before lining up something new. And I was really wanting to switch industries and get into human resources and it ended up being about a five month period that I was unemployed before I found something new. Um, it was a pretty rough season for me but I felt like I really learned a lot about not relying on myself and just kind of giving up almost and giving it over to God and um, being open to what he had for me and was really wanting to get back into a job and uh, kind of thinking of going back into what I had been in before, even though that wasn't my heart's desire. Um, long story short, I basically got the job of my dreams. I didn't even apply for it. They came to me. It's a two-minute walk from my house. My boss is a Christian. My team's really supportive, um, and I'm just really thankful. We know that um, the Lord shows up in so many different people's lives, and we I get to hear them because I'm as I'm having coffees and visits and emails and things, and I hear about the things God's doing in your lives, and, uh, and it's always amazing. And so it's good for us to share with one another and uh, allow us to know that this is, um, as a community, we want to have that, that level of let's be equals, let's be flat together. And, um, and it's not always about 
just the top down or the front, you know, what's done at the front. And uh, we are the body of Christ. We're the people of God. And um, so I'm thankful that, uh, that you've shared this morning and been a part of us. This is part of what it means to just, for us, we're trying to walk out this value of let's be a safe place and let's make some room for the Holy Spirit to speak to us and here are some of the things that he's doing. And so this is how we're, we've decided to do it once in a while. Thanks for listening to audio from The House. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.